This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Fine Furniture. Our warehouse is so big that we have everything. Floor after floor of bedroom sets, couches, tables, deadly sculptures, and just like hundreds of creepy mannequins. Only at Fine Furniture, an equal opportunity employer. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's graduation day on Pod Cemetery with 1988's Hide and Go Shriek and 2006's Dead in Three Days. And it's also a very sick episode of Pod Cemetery. We have a very sick household here. Both myself and Kelsey are not feeling too hot right now, and we're a little stuffed up. So we're sorry to all you people that listen, and that really grates on your ears. But it's kind of either that or there just is no episode this <laughs> week. Uh, we also have a very sick kitty in the house right now that we're taking care of. So if you hear more ums and uhs and long pauses and things like that in this episode... We apologize, and if it's shorter than normal, that's probably why. But again, it's either that or no episode this week, so <laughs> we hope you at least enjoy that. Let's get started right into our first movie, 1988's Hide and Go Shriek, written by Michael Kelly and directed by Skip Skulnick. Skulnick. That's fucked up, man. Starring Bunky Jones, Britton Fry, and Annette Sinclair. Kelsey, what is Hide and Go Shriek about? A group of kids on their graduation night are celebrating at a furniture store that one of their dads owns. And unbeknownst to them, there is a murderer. A foot? Yeah, a foot is a word to use. The movie is available with a subscription to Roku, Voodoo, and Tubi. And you can rent it for $5 or buy it for 10 on Amazon. Kelsey, should people watch Hide and Go Shriek? I think that you maybe should, but at the same time, you should know. It's not like it's a great movie or it's anything. Not. But first of all, it's an 80s teen slasher. And if that's your jam, like it is mine, I was very shocked. I'd never even heard of this. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I love it. Like I said, I love those. So there were definitely a lot of things here for me to like. Um,. This also has a very interesting killer, which again is, I'm shocked I've never heard of this. And I think it's a curiosity to see, but you should go in knowing it's not a great movie. It's politics aren't that great either. <laughs> right, absolutely. But I've read that, you know, some people are just happy to see any kind of it. Right, but the movie almost like... It, it's shames almost, them. Yeah, no, totally. Like very much them. so. Even yeah. the one where it's like... Well, yeah, he is gay, but he regrets it. He's not anymore. Like, that's its sort of, like, viewpoint. It's a little uh, a little rough around the edges in that regard. So we'll put those content warnings in the description of the episode. Just keep an eye out. It's a little uncomfortable, especially towards the end, but then peppered throughout. 
if that is something that either you don't care about or that you can look past to see an old 80s movie, um, it's interest. I was surprised at how interested I was in a movie that is mostly dark and mostly the same thing over and over again. Oh, yeah. The lighting is just like, I get it. It's nighttime. I'd like to be able to see what's going on. But I was surprised by some of the stuff that I was like, oh, oh, that's why that is. Or, oh, that was fun. Or that was clever. Or it's just a bunch of kids talking about how it's their first time. Or it's not their first time. or And they literally play hide and go see. <laughs> yeah, it's just, a, it's an excuse for people to be having sex and hiding murder. and yeah, yeah, uh-huh, like yeah, yeah. Also, this is the craziest little furniture store. It's oh my God. several stories high. It's like three stories. That happens. There are some like warehouse size. And everything is sectioned off <laughs> into uh-huh. rooms. And there are like it's mannequins an, Like it's an Ikea everywhere. or something. Exactly. The, the mannequins are what drive me crazy. There are like millions of mannequins in this place, and they are a huge plot element, including a murder weapon in, I think, more than one case. So, like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> They're just everywhere. So why does a furniture store have so many mannequins? <laughs> Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1988's Hide and Go Shriek. It was their graduation party. A night for friends. Well, here's to eight fabulous friends who got through high school and are going to do great things. You are going to love making love. You'll never want to stop. A night for love. A night for games. Let's play hide and go seek. Here I come. Ready or not. But someone else is playing a game with their lives. Oh, please, somebody. Close your eyes. Count to ten. And run for your life. Hide and go shriek. Coming soon. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Hide and Go Shriek begin? We see a trans woman. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess, I think by the end of the movie, it's, it's tough to pin down. I guess this is a trans woman, but also maybe non-binary, maybe, just maybe it's gay. just a cross-dresser, maybe it's, Trans-esque. you know, like, yeah, I... I don't know what the appropriate terminology is, and I would hate to anybody to be upset. So you can interpret it as you will, but it is, it's basically, there's a man in a basement somewhere getting dressed up like a man and then putting makeup on. And then having sex with a sex worker. And then killing, killing her, her while they're having sex. Having sex, in yes. In an alleyway. And... The interesting thing is, I did not realize that this was just going to be a random person. I thought this was going to be one of the kids. Yeah. So I was convinced for a while that it was a particular character because of the hair. Because hair-wise, there can only be one person out of the group. Like right. I was like, did they just tell us who the killer is? They won't shut up about Randy's hair. <laughs> oh my Stop. god, Hello. what did you do? Uh, I'm not touching you. 
It looks like a hedgehog. Oh, come on. Jeez. <laughs> What's with the buzz off? Hey, it's change time. It's just a haircut. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, uh, keep that brush out of my face. Oh, yeah? Freak, oh, yeah? you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, if this haircut gets this much reaction, I wonder what I could do to get a, a reaction. <laughs> and they constantly talk about how he's acting stranger than usual. Yeah. There's even a comment at the beginning where Randy's girlfriend is showing that she's bought a teddy for that night. And one of the girls says, is that what it takes to get him turned on these days? Uh-huh. Implying that there has been some there's sort of issue. There's something going on. There's some so, sort like, of psychosexual. There were a lot of things that were leading me down this path. But I don't know that the movie was doing that on purpose. Right. I don't know that the movie was trying to... No, it's like, just a joke. Of, oh, you need a teddy to get him off or whatever? Yeah, like, exactly. that's just all it is. But, like, there were so many things that made you think that it could be him. But I do have a note here that's like, uh-oh, is this movie going to be super transphobic? And it kind of is. Ah! <laughs> it kind of is, yes. It's... We do have all these girls in this room preparing for their night because it's graduation. They just graduated and they're going to. Which we don't see at all. We don't see it all. They say it like once or twice, yeah. maybe that that's what they're celebrating. Uh-huh. But they, they're all in their room and they are all super mean to each other. And we've talked about this before where it's like. Oh, well, you know, girls are bitches to each other. It's like, no, these are like best friends and they're all terrible to each other. Thinking about going to college too. I suppose you'll make fun about that. Education. That's what raises those of us who are special above the screeching, squalling masses. You're such a jerkhead. You know, Kim, one day I'm gonna be happily married and you're gonna be some waitress in a dinky little coffee shop. I don't know that they were terrible. There's the one girl who's like, hey, you know what? I don't need this teddy, but it's your first time. Would you like this? Like, and then like gives it to her to wear. Like, that's like the nicest thing. But like constantly they're on each other about how I can't believe you're getting married or, well, you know, like I'm getting married. You know, like maybe that, you shouldn't get married right out of high school. It's not about that, though. Like it's everyone like so there's two girls that go show up at another girl's house where there are already two girls there. And each pair are just like picking each other apart as they go to meet each other. It's the weirdest thing. I guess it's sort of like the guys to pick on each other, but it feels much more playful with the guys. Like, sort of mussing up your hair, you know, jumping on each other and putting them in a headlock, kind of messing with them. Not like a... I didn't think they were all that bad. Tear your heart out, kind of. Well, I guess as an, as an outside observer, somebody who doesn't didn't have those relationships, I don't know, it seems very weird to me just how brutal they are to each other. They do what I will call a red light shuffle on their way. I was looking it up. I'm like, there has to be a better term for this. So the term that everyone knows is a Chinese fire drill. And so I looked it up and I'm like, what is this about? Where does that name come from? I think everyone knows the name. Like, where does it come from? And there is a story behind it. If you're curious, you can look it up. It just has to be with people being racist. And so it's like, oh, shit. Well, now what do I call it? And it's, okay, a red light shuffle sounds good. It's sort of like, what do you call an Irish car bomb? Which I absolutely love drinking. But it's a terrible name. <laughs> yes, it is. But yeah, so th th they're going to make fun of this guy's haircut like no other. Oh, Randy, yeah. Uh -huh. And I love that he says it cost me six bucks because that reminded me of big business. I paid five bucks for this. <laughs> Punked out or what? <laughs> Jeez. Hey, it's just a haircut. It costs six bucks. My 
God, it's me with a bad haircut. Oh, man, I paid 12 bucks for this. That's not the first reference to big business on this show. <laughs> There's also this weird thing where, like, one of the girls is into this guy. But the guy constantly says, I'm not into her, I'm not into her, I'm not into her. Yeah, I don't get it either because she's adorable. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't get it. But, you know, whatever. So there's a couple of... Um, but she has to, like, convince him to be with her. But he, like, wants to be with her? It's almost like the roles are reversed. Right. So let's talk about these couples, right? Let's get this down. There are... And I, because I was so concerned with this, that in Dead in Three Days, I specifically laid out who each of the characters are and what their names are. Because you don't learn some of their names until like halfway through the movie. <laughs> um, okay, so there's John and Bonnie, who are kind of the main ones. They're the ones that are getting married. And John is the one whose dad owns the warehouse. She's got the curly brown hair and she wears the... Yeah, and she acts like she's had sex, but when they have sex in the in the movie, it almost feels like it's their first time. Because she's like, what the fuck, you only lasted like five I know, seconds. that's why I think that just happens to be the case. I don't think that's... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pick it on a guy because he doesn't last very long. <laughs> but uh, so that's the two of them. Judy and David. So Judy is the one whose first time it is. And but she's been dating David for, like, two years For a while now, yeah. But yeah, and, he, like, she's like, oh, thank you for being patient. Just like, right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they, there's a whole moment where they have, like, a serious, mature conversation about all this that's very surprising. Uh, David's also sort of a more fun-loving one. Probably, like, your everyday guy out of all these male characters. And I think Judy's pretty everyday as well. Just like she's a normal girl and he's a normal guy. That's the interesting thing. Uh these these kids, well not ugly, definitely not ugly. Uh, none of them are like whoa, you know, like none of them The were closest there are is Randy and Kim. That's so funny. I thought Bonnie was the hottest of the girls. Oh, I totally get that, but I think <laughs> I but you know, it's Kim is supposed to be like the 80s playboy centerfold type, you know, the blonde hair, the big tits that you can put your hand around her thigh and touch fingertips like she's just a skin and bones and tits and hair and like that's like her thing. Strangely, they don't treat her that way. <laughs> the movie kind of does when they have her tied up and naked on top of the elevator later, but like she seems like a nice enough girl. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah, I thought that they're all. Pretty average. I mean, yeah. like, they're all fine looking, like uh -huh. I said, but they're all pretty average looking. And then finally, there's Melissa and Sean. Melissa's the one who borrows the teddy because Sean is weird. I don't understand Sean. Sean's bizarre. I, I thought they were trying to imply he was gay. Like, I thought that that was going to be part of the... But it's not. I was like, is, is there something going on with him and the guy with the haircut? Like, Randy, like, is that what this is all about? But really what it comes down to is him just being, what do I got, the ugly one? Yeah. It's just, it's just they're like, all of these girls well, are it's pretty. it's supposed to be that he's nervous. I yeah, don't know. and yeah, he's a weirdo. He looks funny, too. If we're going to say any of them are funny looking, he's the funniest looking one. Uh, there's also this really bad thing where like they're like um, they say walk this way and they uh, do the they do the walk and I'm like are you fucking serious? Yeah, Did anybody really act like this? Oh, sure. Oh Jesus. That's that's in two different Mel Brooks movies. Is it? Yeah. Walk this way. It's in Young Frankenstein. Walk this way. 
this way. And it's in Robin oh, Hood Men not- in Tights. Right. Walk this way. Right, but they're not doing the dance. No, it's just you. She you told me you, to you, walk this no, way. No, no, but it's the whole like just you tell somebody to walk this way, like in this direction, and then they do and the then same walk. and then they imitate your walk. You know, that's all that is. It's a it's a classic joke. But they play the song. Like I thought it was part of the song. Okay, well, listen up, compadres. Uh, yes. Are we ready to embark on the adventure of our lives? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do it, man. Oh, all right, everybody, walk this way. <laughs> We meet the tough guy that's uh, fresh out of jail that the furniture owner, furniture store owner is like, you can live in my furniture store. And the kids don't know that. That's Fred. He's got a ton of tattoos. And you're supposed to think that he's the murderer, but there's no indication that he is, except for, I guess, they might have a matching tattoo. He kind of lives in the basement. Because every time we see him, there's no way he committed the murders because he's still down in his little basement. Except there is one moment where you second guess yourself because he has, like, the snake tattoo all along his arm and up his hand. And then later on, the killer walks by somebody and... That somebody is hiding under the bed and they see his foot, which has that same tattoo coming down his leg as well. And you're like, like, oh, my God. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is like when you're watching it, it's is this is this Fred? Are they trying to say it is Fred now? And so I was surprised how they did kind of toy with you a little bit there um, because it seemed like the movie obviously wanted you to think that Fred was the killer. But then it was very obviously not him. But then is it him? Like, yeah, it was a little bit like that. See, I was just think- focused on Randy, so I was like, what's right. going on? <laughs> yeah, but and pretty much everyone, you're like, okay, well, now it can't be that person, because we know they're doing this other thing at the time of one of these kills, and that's very much the case. It can be literally nobody. The only person it, it is, is the killer. You don't find out who the killer is as a person until after their identity has been revealed to everybody, and then... It's a person you've never seen before other than when they're killing. You know, it's one of those sorts of things. All right. Let's talk about their decision to play hide and go seek. Yes. Uh, because, okay, here, here's what actually happens. They're, they get there, and I don't think they had any actual, like, plans for the evening. They had a very specific plan, Kelsey. To have dinner at midnight, which yes. I don't, they don't ever explain why. They, they mention it constantly. Yeah, it's very strange. But anyway... So they all open up a beer and they, you know, we're going to, we've gotten through high school. We're going to go to do great things. But before, but before we do, let's party or whatever. And they don't have any kind of idea of what they're going to do. They start to drink. And then she, the blonde chick, just randomly says, let's play hide and seek. I've got an idea. Let's play hide and go seek. What? You're going to be kidding. Come on. It would be fun. Okay, maybe if they had been drinking for a while and well, they like they got bored, started. they had just but they had there. just started drinking. So like nobody's drunk. Why would a group of teenage like 
high school seniors say yes, unless, and again, like maybe this is what they're all thinking, let's all go have sex. But that's not no, what they they're do all actively thinking. play hide and seek, and they're gonna go have sex while somebody is actively looking for them. Yes, it's very yeah. strange. I don't know. What- it's also the sort of thing that sounds like a good idea at first, but then as you're going and as it goes on, you're like, "This is taking too long. I'm bored. I'm getting really annoyed." But we have to do this now because it's a thing. And they actually mention that in the movie. They do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And. I guess that makes it more believable. And again, yes, there a lot of them like want to have sex, but at the same time, some of them get annoyed that the, that they're having sex. And I, I just, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm just confused. Yeah, it's just an excuse for them to have sex, which is fine. I guess that's you know what '80s slasher movies think they need to have, but it just feels odd, not well designed. Yeah, and it's going to be a thing that continues on throughout the entire movie. Yes, this will be the rest of the movie, basically. Them playing hide-and-seek. Yes, they're eventually going to have dinner, but, like, we don't even see what they fucking eat. Like, no, I'm they just eat, like, where they, did they we get do. the food? We do? Yeah, they eat fried chicken. Oh, where do they get that from at midnight? I, I guess they brought it with them. And, and it's so they just, just have room-temperature fried chicken. Did you never do this shit in high school? <laughs> no. <laughs> Ask any of my friends, they'll know. Like, you just... You have, we had a lot of room temperature soda. <laughs> Just like random shit. Anyway. Um, so our first real kill. So Kim's going to be the first one to, to be the seeking one. Oh, we also didn't mention, even though this doesn't really go anywhere. Um, they're going to constantly be scaring each other. Yeah. But like, and oh, you Bonnie think. Bonnie is a, oh my God. Bonnie and whatever her boyfriend's name is they're so mean go ahead but so like you think that that's gonna like play into it like oh they're they're just trying to scare me so i'm not gonna go anywhere and then they die but that doesn't happen no it starts off by john and bonnie scaring everyone and everyone's like you guys suck that really scared us and they're like ha 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 can't you take a joke It's not going to be fun if you guys are going to do stuff like that. Oh, can't you take a joke? And then Judy and David scare Bonnie, and then she gets upset, like, very, very hypocritically. And John's like, come on, guys, knock it off. Where's David? David! Hey, David! Hey. Davey, where are you? <laughs> Here, David! <laughs> I'm telling you, David, knock it off. All of a sudden, he's very upset about getting scared. And it's just like, oh, now you just made me not like these characters. <laughs> we get confirmation that the killer is there. Yes. Not caught. We don't get any confirmation about how he got in. We get the suit and the hat that he wore when he killed the sex worker earlier. Right. And so we see that this person is walking around and staring at these kids having sex. But at first, doesn't do anything. Then Melissa is going to get dressed in the negligee, and she goes to the bathroom to get dressed in it, and she's starting to change. And then the killer slams her face into the sink and shoves her face into the water, 
And somehow he, the guy that she was about Sean. to sleep with doesn't hear her screaming because she screams a lot before he yeah. gets her into the water. I guess she goes away to the bathrooms far away from the bed they chose. Bullshit. Oh, we should probably say that John is really adamant that they not fuck with anything, that they not touch any of the mannequins, that they not. Which is important because when they start to see that things have been fucked up, they're going to be like, well, we know it's not him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's going to be missing at that point. Because uh-huh. like at first, because I guess that's where it comes in. They figure the reason their friends start disappearing, they figured they're just scaring them. So there right. you go. That's yeah. where the scaring them thing comes in. Well, and the hide play. and go seek, and then, yeah. But they're just like, but it can't be him because he wouldn't fuck with the store like this. Yeah. And here's where the transphobia starts to get thick. The killer then dresses up in the negligee themselves and puts on a wig, I assume, from one of the mannequins, and then pretends to be Melissa. While Sean goes looking for her, Melissa, where are you? I forget how he says it. I have it written down here that he just says it very strangely. Melissa, where are you? And then he kills Sean dressed in the negligee. My question is, why was the girl filling the water, the sink with water? Right. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. What's she planning on doing? Also, another thing that happened that made me think it might be Randy. At one point, when Randy's with his girlfriend, he puts one of the wigs on from one of the oh, mannequins, yeah, uh-huh. and she calls him a sicko. And I know that's fucked, You're right? But that's kind of the that's kind of the impression the movie's giving me about this trans killer. It's 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 at this moment that I that I wrote down. They just won't let Randy's haircut. Go! They won't let it go. Like, yeah, he has kind of like a a yuppie, I'm an 80s businessman now type thing going for him. But, like, it's not that strange. It's not that unique. He's not wearing a mullet. Like, some of these guys almost are. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a little bit weird in that regard. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Randy, just to get people to shut the fuck up about his haircut. When the killer is dressed in the teddy and kills... Sean, did you notice how they killed him? Is this the one where they use a mannequin hand to impale them? No. Because that does happen. That's the guy. That's who's, John, right? That's the guy whose dad owns Yeah, that's the place. John. No. I mean, I'm sure I did. I just don't remember. Sean is killed by being thrust upon what I can only assume. Oh, right. There's just spikes. Is a statue. <laughs> And it reminded me of Delia Dietz's statue that she makes that comes to life. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, see, it wasn't that weird. That was so 80s and like late 80s, early 90s sculptures. That's what it was like. Uh Uh-huh. Just, yeah, it's very bizarre. It's just just like murderous spikes in the middle of a furniture store. (laughs) He gets thrown on. So it's midnight. And the rest of the group is going to eat their their dinner. Uh-huh. But something distracts the guy whose dad owns it or whatever. And he goes off by himself and gets impaled with a mannequin uh, Yeah, he goes off because they're all looking for Sean and Melissa who don't show up. For dinner, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, he gets impaled by a mannequin arm. That happens. Now, here's a question. Possible? I mean, anything's possible with enough force. But especially with what we see the wound to be later, it's just like a little red spot on his stomach. It's like, nah. Here's a question. 
everyone's going around and looking for their friends who they can't find anywhere. Why the fuck wouldn't you turn on the lights? Yeah. Because they don't, oh, because they don't want to attract attention to themselves. They don't want anybody to know they're there. But no lights? Yeah. Like, come on. Anyway, like, they obviously don't mind running around any time that we don't see the front of the store. So why can't you turn on lights in those areas, you know? Out of absolutely nowhere, we're going to get a sexy dance from a girl, from the girl who's Judy. never had sex that you. It's would, pretty hot, too. It is. It's really well choreographed. And at the end of it, it's kind she of funny. Saw it in the portal. She just immediately, she goes from being this, you know, scared virgin to all of a sudden this confident, sexy dancer. And then the moment she's done, she's like, was that sexy? I saw it in a porno. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> you, like, it's, it couldn't be more obvious that you in real life, are much more like the sexy, confident girl. Right, yeah. Uh -huh. Because the girl that you're playing wouldn't have been able to do that as yeah. confidently as you did. Yeah. So, yeah, so a couple of things happen here that I just want to run through really, really quick. So they're looking for Sean and Melissa. They don't find them. John keeps getting upset because the mannequins keep getting fucked with, and he's upset now at Sean and Melissa uh, because he it must be them, right? And then they start to get so mad, especially John, that they just say, fuck them, we're going to go to bed. And so everyone goes to bed, and we they miss, the camera lands on the fact that one of the mannequins is wearing the negligee. Mm -hmm. David and Judy go off to do it in private. Judy does that little striptease uh, dance thing. And then the killer, dressed as Sean, in Sean's clothes, because throughout... We'll see him, like, oh, dressed in the negligee and then doing one of those <laughs> and then prances away, like teasing them sort of thing. And then shows up and interrupts John and Bonnie while they're having sex silently, which is very bizarre, like flips them off and then moons them. And then John chases after him. Mm -hmm. Right. John finds the killer in a wig. They fight and the killer impales him with the mannequin arm. So that's how that happens. Now. I write down here, it's obviously the ex-con, but it can't be, is what I write down. Um, we see his tattoo when John's girlfriend, Bonnie, hides under the bed. Uh, so are there two killers? Or at least there must be two people. And then Fred isn't the killer like we originally thought he must not be. Uh, and yes, that is very much the case. Judy does that striptease for David. And then Kim goes to the bathroom. Randy and Kim are together. They get all, we see them stripped down naked. We get to see Randy and his tidy whities We get to see Kim topless. Uh, she goes to the bathroom. Uh, and when she goes, the killer shows up in a blonde wig this time. We don't see what happens with him. But then as Kim's coming back, she's approached by who she thinks is Randy. And then it's like, you're not, you're not Randy. Randy, do you have to go to? Wait a minute. You're not Randy. <laughs> Randy! <laughs> Randy! <laughs> Randy! <laughs> they all kind of say that. Yeah. They think it's a person, and then eventually they're like, wait a minute, you're not that person. Because the killer has dressed up in Randy's clothes. Uh, and she gets on the elevator to run away, and he jumps on the elevator with her. 
And when Randy wakes up and tells everyone what's going on, he has no choice but to put on a mannequin's clothes. And so he wears these tight plaid pants and his bolo tie, which he was wearing earlier. So he had he had pants, you know, he had uh, suspenders on. He had a button up that went like all the way up to his neck and wore a bolo tie. And he wore sunglasses the entire time. Like he never took them off till the end of the movie. Yes, he definitely wore his sunglasses at at night. night. In a furniture store that is dark as fuck. (laughs) So how do we find our way around this place that is dark? So when he's like, everybody, you gotta help me out. He's topless, wearing these tight plaid (laughs) pants and his bolo tie again. He felt that necessary to put on. Obviously, the filmmakers thought it was hilarious. It was. So, uh, Randy and Bonnie... Oh, you didn't mention the maniacal laughter that we get from the killer as well. Oh, yeah. When they have finally gotten Kim, they laugh maniacally. (laughs) It's very silly. And poor Kim, for some reason, is going to be stripped to her underwear and then tied on top of the elevator. Yeah, she's on the roof of the elevator. And I don't know exactly what the plan was, because... Obviously, she couldn't have been crushed because they are standing on top of the elevator with her. Yeah. uh And they don't get crushed. You might be worried about that. Like, it's the first Mission Impossible movie and she's Emilio Estevez. Yep. But no, nothing like that happens in the entire movie. So don't worry. It feels almost like a tee-hee-hee. They'll never find her here in this game of hide-and-go-shriek. You know, like, right, but, but, but the she's movie doesn't get herself really, killed in a real bad way. Oh, yeah. But the movie doesn't really play with that at all. Like, the killer never hides them, like, explicitly. They will find Sean and Melissa's body in a closet later, but it's never framed like it's a hiding spot and they're never gonna find them. You know, like, it, that could have been a, a more fun element that they could have added to the movie that they did not. Agreed. So, Randy and Bonnie run into each other when they're looking for both John and Kim. So John's dead, right? Bonnie's looking for him. Bonnie, Kim has been taken. Bonnie knows someone is in the store with them. Yes, well, because she sees the some, foot. Yes. She saw the foot when she was hiding under the bed. Oh my God. When Randy is freaking out as real as he seems, because he is absolutely actually screaming. At uh-huh. one point, his voice cracks because he's He is literally screaming to another actor, Uh which I'm just like, okay, first of all, why were you never taught to use your diaphragm? But also, Uh secondly, like, why are we actually screaming across the room at each other while we're filming? That seems like a very strange decision to make. But he's so bad when he's supposed to be freaking out. Like, at first, he's just the cool nerd. Like, he's he's a weirdo, but, like, he's cool. Yeah. And he's fine as that. But then when he's here and he's, like, trying to freak out and show how upset he is, it gets really bad. It's always fun when you know that they had to hire another third party to do the captions for a movie. Because it's very obvious that the person doing the captions doesn't know what the person is saying either. Sometimes just writes unintelligible. (laughs) Or something that is very obviously wrong or wouldn't make any sense. And it's like, they're just burning through this stuff. They don't have a script that they're just turning into captions. They literally need to transcribe what they're hearing. And so it's always fun when you run into that. And this is definitely that case. I do enjoy that, like, they keep kind of dismissing Bonnie's assumption that there's a person in there. They're like, Bonnie thinks, and Bonnie goes, I know there's someone in <laughs> Oh my here. god, she is 
hysterical. <laughs> and I know there's some baggage behind the term hysterical, but like very much so she is. Something weird is happening here. John's just disappeared. He took off after Sean. He didn't come back. Kim was screaming like she was scared to death. He wouldn't do this to me. He doesn't do this kind of a thing. John, if you're with him, I'll kill you. I swear to God, this isn't funny. I'm Serious. Someone's gone way too far here. I mean, Bonnie says she saw somebody else in here. There is someone else. So Bonnie and Randy find David and Judy post-coitus. David and Judy, Judy being the virgin who just lost her virginity. And they all agree that they need to look for John and Kim who are missing. They take the elevator down and they don't realize that Kim is tied and gagged That's naked on top of the elevator. That confirmation. And I really thought this part was interesting. When they get off the elevator, they see the killer running around in Kim's clothes. Yeah, they find the killer dancing in a blonde wig. And then the killer <laughs> giggles and then runs away and they know it's not Kim. Oh, yeah. Somebody says... Kim's clothes, but that's not Kim. The next note I have written down is the killer's back in the basement and sings the little song. Song. Fun and games, games and fun. Now it's over. No need to run. Now, it's time to clean up the house. Make it right again. <sighs> The housewife's work is never done. Oh, that's right. And the killer is dressed in the suit and hat again. Yes. So the problem that they have now that they know there's a killer in this warehouse with them is that they need to get out and they can't. We get some social commentary here. Yes. So the windows are shatterproof and they can't break them. So they need to get somebody's attention. And the only person they see is a homeless person outside digging through a garbage can. And when they try to get his attention from across the street, he turns and looks at them and they're waving their arms and he waves back. Hey, hey. Which is kind of funny. The cops drive up and harass this homeless man and they're going to give him shit until one of the cops is like. He's going to smell bad. Yeah, we don't want to deal with him. He's going to smell bad. And meanwhile, in the background, funny, the kids are can be seen in the window of the furniture store trying to get everyone's attention. And they're just focusing on this homeless man. Not funny. You know what I mean? Like, it's this weird juxtaposition of attitudes going on here. Mm -hmm. So they try to turn on the lights for the first fucking time in the movie. And that's the exact moment. We've, we've talked about this before. It's in other horror movies as well. The killer never cuts the power until right when one of the victims tries to turn the power on. They never cut the phone line until right when somebody's trying to make a phone call. Like, they're fucking psychic. I don't know what their reactions were, but apparently when the cops don't notice them and they drive by, apparently I thought their reactions were hilarious. So you'll have to get uh, think, okay. a picture yeah. of that for Twitter. But yeah, when they try to uh, get the lights on, they are startled by the killer. Hey, you kids. They're startled by Fred. Not the oh, killer. Oh, is it Fred? It's Fred. What's going on in here? Like, because the emergency lights turn on. Oh, that's right. He thinks he's stopping a robbery. Yes, uh-huh. He's trying to do the right thing. And Randy beats the shit beats out the of him. the shit out of him. They think that, I mean, they think that <laughs> they he's, think he's killed, killer. like, a, yes. several of their friends. Uh-huh. They find Melissa and Sean's bodies here at this moment. Then they find John's impaled body. They don't know where Kim is. And this is where Fred shows up and Randy beats the shit out of him. And Randy calls him a slime bag. A slime bag, and then like kicks so him. So weird. They tie him up, and they're like, "We need to." 
I don't know, get out of here or something. So they the leave his body behind. The term is either slime ball or, or dirt, dirt bag. Dirt bag, yeah. Uh-huh. You got those confused. <laughs> but anyway. But they think that Kim might still be alive, so they've got to keep looking for her. Well, they're definitely going to find her. And it's well, first going of to all, be in the worst way. First of all, there is the newsstand guy opening up across the street early in the morning. Obviously, it's a newsstand. It's still dark outside and ends up calling into the police because he sees them wandering around through the window. And it's obvious ADR, by the way. That happens, I guess, before they beat the shit out of him. So they realize they have to look for Kim. You're right. And they take the elevator to the top to search every floor. At least that's their intention. But the killer is up there. With her now. They're on top of the elevator. And Kim is going to able to move to the edge of the fucking elevator, which just seems like a stupid decision. And she's trying to get Randy's attention and Randy wants to help her. But in front of their very eyes, she's going to get decapitated because, you know, the elevator is going up. Uh-huh. And she is leaning down. And her head falls on inside the elevator. And their reactions apparently are also incredible here. So you'll have to get that as well. At this point, Bonnie is just dead behind the eyes. You know how I mentioned she had gone hysterical she's gone before? She's over just the edge. Whoa, she's just gone. She yeah, and she's like <laughs> she says, I don't understand, and you'll have to get a clip of her saying it because she says it really slowly and she sounds crazy when uh-huh. she says it. And like you think something's gonna happen with Bonnie, and you know, maybe if they do a sequel, who knows? I don't know if they do. So Judy realizes that the corner bed where she had sex with David is pretty uh, private. That's specifically why they picked it. And they need to hide there until morning when people show up to open up the store. So they go to hide there. But apparently, the killer was already there. How? Who the fuck knows? The killer would have been on a different floor than them because he was on top of the elevator. But apparently, he gets there before them. And as they're all sitting on the bed hiding, uh, he comes up from behind the headboard and scares them. The killer is dressed in, like, leather straps and cuts Randy in the process of a struggle. Yeah, the fun is over. And then Fred, who got untied somehow, tackles the killer. Here's where things get weird. Um, apparently, the, killer is name- the killer's name is Zach. Uh, I love that the killer's name is Zach. I love the way that he says, we're not in, in there, there anymore, anymore Zach. Zach. Why don't you want me anymore? We're not in there anymore, Zach. So here's what happened. What happened is Fred and Zach have similar tattoos because they were in prison together. And apparently they had a relationship in prison. And when they got out, Fred was like, well, I don't need that anymore. I was just a convenient gay. And tries to go about living his life. And this is shitty. This is how they frame it. Cleaning himself up and straightening out. And that means he can't be gay anymore. I was trying to make a life for myself and you fucked everything up. Yeah. Then again, he could be talking about the fact that he killed no, no, a bunch that of No, no, that is. That is. But later, there's a, there's a problem. They get into a fight and Fred gets stabbed in the neck. Uh, Judy attacks Zach, who trips over Kim's head. Over the head and fell to and fell down death. the elevator oh shaft. Oh my god, is that an amazing way to die? Holy shit, is what I wrote. 
It's hilarious. And it's so fast, too. Yeah, it just happens. <laughs> he literally trips over her head. And the look on their face is so good. So, Fred's still alive when the cops show up. And he tries to explain everything to the cops because obviously people are confused. And the kids can say, no, Fred tried to save us. He didn't do it, you know. But he explains. He apologizes to Mr. Robbins, who owns the store, right? <laughs> but also, uh, he talks about how he tried to be straight. And he, I'm sorry. As straight if it's has something a double to be meaning a, here. Yes, no, very, very much so. But he's sorry, and then he dies. So he gets his absolution of, oh, no, but he was really straight right before he dies. I tried to stop him. I tried to be straight. I'm sorry, Mr. Robbins. He's not a bad guy. He didn't kill anybody, and he's certainly not gay. Like, that's sort of, like, the way the movie frames it, and it's kind of fucked. And somehow, somehow so Zach survives, yeah. Zach survives. So they're outside. Just like, wait, what? Outside. How did that happen? As they're carrying these kids out, they're going to pass by the killer's body. And EMT is standing next to Zach's body on a stretcher under a sheet. He's having a smoke. And we know it's Zach's body because his foot is sticking out from under the covers. And you see the tattoo. Then the kids are coming out, and as they walk by, we see that the EMT is gone, and that the body under the sheet is now wearing pants and has a shoe. Likely the EMT. They get into the ambulances and drive away, at which point we see that Zach, who still has like the eyeliner eyeshadow thing going on for him, is still alive. He turns to the camera and smiles, and that's the end of the movie. If it just wasn't so fucking homophobic and transphobic, I, I this movie is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's very, very dark. I have written down here in one of my notes towards the very beginning, is this movie just going to be these kids wandering around a furniture store, occasionally stopping to have sex and or get killed? And yes, that's exactly what this movie is. <laughs> but it does some weird shit throughout. It's just, you know, you just kind of wish that it didn't have to do it at the expense of uh, gay and trans people, mm -hmm. which is kind of a bummer. Anything else to say about hide and go shriek, Kelsey? I just love the killer's not death, I guess. Yes. I Ki wish that was their death. I And it would be so good if they had just had them die that way. But they didn't. Yeah, so Judy and David, who are kind of like I said earlier, sort of our everyman characters. Like there's the... Attractive yuppie types of Kim and Randy, right? The fashionable, you know, they're the ones that do coke and go to the fancy parties, right? There's Bonnie and John who are going to get married right out of high school and try to live their lives. And then there's the weirdo nerdy, not, not nerdy, but like they're the, obviously the, the quote unquote least attractive of their group and they get sort of paired up and that's Melissa and Sean. And so, like, your everyday, everyman kind of characters are David and Judy. And Judy gets her last little, like, she gets the stand. She's the one who stands up to Zach after Fred gets stabbed in the fucking neck. Oh, yeah, we don't mention how how gung-ho they are about fighting back. And I yeah, really uh -huh. liked that about these characters. Totally. They all start to wield mannequin limbs as weapons, mm -hmm. which we don't mention. But, yeah, mannequins fucking everywhere. So, Kelsey, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I guess it's low. I'm going to guess. There is no 
reviewer score. It's an audience score. Oh, it's an audience score. Okay. A yes. hundred plus reviews. Oh, well then I'm going to guess it's higher. I'm going to guess it's... Let's go with 62. 56. Okay. 56. Uh, no Metacritic, no cinema score. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? I'm going to say just underrated. What would you give it? I'm going to give it what I figured they should have given it. 62. 62? Yeah, I think this is a low 60s movie if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, it could probably be like a high 60s if they cleaned up their politics a little bit more retroactively. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's not a great movie. No. It is pretty basic. It's a basic bitch of a movie for the most part. Yes. But it's just weird enough to be fun. I love how weird it is. Yeah. So it's definitely on the positive side for sure. Uh, yeah, I would give this movie uh, I'll just give it a straight 60, I think. And even 60, I think, is a good score for this movie. Good. Okay, I guess. It's okay. Worth watching if you can look past all the shit that might be a little distasteful. Yes. All right. That brings us to our second film, our modern film from 2006, Dead in Three Days, or in Drei Tagen bist du tot. You'll be dead in three days in German, because this movie is in German. Directed by Andreas Prochaska, written by Thomas Baum and Andreas Prochaska, starring Sabrina Ryder, Julia Rosa Peer, and Michael Steinacher. Kelsey, what is Dead in Three Days about? These kids who just graduated from high school, or are about to graduate from high school, received a text saying that they're going to die in three days, and they do. Yeah. <laughs> The movie is not available with any subscriptions, but you can just rent it for $4 or buy it for 8 on most services. Kelsey, should people watch Dead in Three Days? No. So if... I would rather watch Graduation Day or I Know What You Did Last Summer. Totally. This is just a mix of both of those movies. I, insofar as Hide and Go Shriek is a basic bitch-ass movie in many ways, but it's weird in plenty of ways for good and for ill. That make it interesting. This is a basic bitch movie that just isn't interesting. It's so boring. I will say that it is well made. It's not fine. An, it's not an incompetent movie, and there's some very interesting things they do with the filmmaking, but it's just a boring movie. They do not capitalize on the dead in three days concept. They explain why it exists at one point. But it's not interesting. They don't even hold to it. People die in a day and a half. People die in two days. People like there is no like that's not part of the mystery, really. It's just hap it just happens to be the content of the text messages that they receive. Also, when you find out the inciting incident, it's just like there were other people there too. Right. And it's why, why did you focus on these kids? Very much so. And it's a thing where like even the characters forgot it happened. So there's no even hinting at it <laughs> yeah. throughout the movie. It's just totally like brand new information. It. Like imagine, imagine I know what you did last summer where you don't see them hit the guy and throw him into the water <laughs> and they never talk about it <laughs> until the very end when they find out that's why they're also, being chased. Also imagine that there were a bunch of other people there. Right. <laughs> So, like, when you look at it, it doesn't look like it's a terrible movie. It doesn't play out like a terrible movie, but it's, like, 
in those sorts of details, it's just not exciting. It's not fun. It's competently acted. It's, I mean, you like some of these kids, you dislike others of them. I barely remember the characters. Well, I have them like. all written down. They just seemed basic. Yeah. Forgettable. Yes. Everything about this movie is forgettable. Uh-huh. I would agree. Uh, so, I mean, you really don't need to watch it. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2006's Dead in Three Days. Yeah, sorry. Uh, there is no trailer for this one. It is a foreign film. It's entirely in German, and there just is no English trailer. So you get to hear my sick voice. Don't worry, we'll tell you all about the movie. You don't need to watch it. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Dead in Three Days begin? With a man hanging himself. Right out the gate. Hanging suicide. Mm-hmm. And that's going to... Do we just want to say, or...? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to string them along like the movie does. That's going to end up being the killer's husband. Yes, we have a... We have a Friday the 13th situation. No, what's her name? Pamela Voorhees. We have a Pamela Voorhees situation on our hands here. Where the... A child drowns, and the mother kills the young people that were there at the time. (laughs) Yes. Who I guess she blames. I guess. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe there weren't extra kids. I don't remember if it's just these core kids or not. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It might just be them, but it just... But then how would she know the things that she knows? That's what I want to... If it is just them, how would she... Would they be like, oh yeah, we called them a pussy. (laughs) When he wouldn't go out, he was afraid. We said, fuck you, pussy, go out and get it. Yeah, we bullied him until he fell through the ice. Please don't hurt us. Of course not. They're going to be like, oh, I don't know what happened. They're like eight years old. So either there are people there that saw it and probably are more responsible. Or she doesn't know this shit. (laughs) They do do that, by the way. They're playing hockey. He goes to get the puck, which goes out on the thin ice. This kid drowns when they're eight. Also, you're just going to let your kids play hockey on thin ice when they're eight with no supervision? It's Germany, man. So? (laughs) It's Europe. They're way more relaxed about that stuff than we are. I was just reading an article about a cast member at Disneyland admitting to going off on parents who left their baby in a stroller outside Nemo's whatever. (laughs) He's like, it happens sometimes. He's like, it's happened to every cast member that they found a stroller with a baby in it. Some, it's happened to multiple times. And he's like, I was that some. It's just like a thing that especially European parents will do. They just leave their babies in strollers while they go, like, have a coffee or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you're in a public place in a foreign country with crowds of people. Like, okay, you're not at home. There's a lot of shit I do at home that I don't do (laughs) at Disneyland or Disney World or whatever. And I guess he went off on these parents who just left their kid. They had had come back to get it, I guess, because they saw him moving the stroller. Because, you know, they got to move the strollers to, like, because they're all spread out and they tighten them up or whatever. Uh And he's like, this is heavier than normal. (laughs) Like, anyway, my point is, you don't fucking leave your kids out and then blame the other fucking eight-year-olds. But she doesn't do anything until her husband kills himself. Yes. 
which I guess is like her inciting event. Because now she's all alone. Yeah, and then she decides. I'm going to take his face off. Yeah, I'm going to take his face off and wear his face as a mask. I'd like to take his his face off. And I'm going to text these kids a creepy you're going to die in three days message because that's how long her son was in the hospital before he finally died. But that's... uh, That's the twist of the movie, everybody. Yeah, but the thing about the three days is just mainly it's just that she means in in these next three days, I'm going to kill you one by one. Not that I'm going to make you wait until three days. No, because that's how long she waited. Like, that's exactly what it is. What you're talking about is what it turned out to be, what they put on the screen. And I 100% agree with you. (laughs) But that's not what the movie tries to say it's about. Right. And it totally doesn't live up to its own premise. The title of the fucking movie. Yes. Dead in three days. We know what the term dead in three days. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the English translation of the title, Indritagen bist du tot, you'll be dead in three days is what it translates to. Which I guess you can argue, yeah, they'll be dead in a year, too. It doesn't mean they're going to die after a year. But, like, then what the fuck is the point of that title? What's the point of the text message? Like, what's the point? It's... Anyway. So, yes. The man that hanged himself is the husband of the woman who's going to be the killer. Is the father of the boy who died. The Jason figure who is going to inspire the mom to kill. Yes. What else do we see? There's another non sequitur scene that we get here. The next thing I've written is, please help Nina. Yes, there is this young girl stumbling on the street, and a cop comes up to her, and she says, please help Nina. We have no idea what oh, the yes, fuck that's about. We will by the We're going to go back in time. Yes. I forgot about that. So we get two of those scenes. So we see that these kids are graduating. Don't know... If that's how you do it in Germany, but it's certainly not how it's done in America. It's very interesting. I didn't, we did not understand what was happening. Well, it's felt like it was like a private boarding school type place, you know, where it's, they had, they had evaluations in front of the administration, individual, oral, you know, exam, like to basically ask them, what did you learn? What's your thesis? You know, like that sort of thing. Um, And then the mean headmistress is mean to one of our characters, but then the it turns first out one that's going to die. Yeah. But then it turns out that when she gives her speech about to everyone about how proud she is, it's a speech they've heard before. Yes. Always the same shit as uh-huh. they say. Uh, she reveals the fact that every single one of them is graduating. And that's how he found out. Like, that's how you find out if you graduated or not is in the speech she gives to the entire student body. We're not from <laughs> Germany. We don't know. I don't know if that's how you do it or if this is just a weird movie. I don't know. So they graduate. They're celebrating. They're drinking and driving. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And they hit a deer. And they say Scheiße. Which they say a lot of. There's a lot of shisa, which means shit. <laughs> but so they hit this deer and it's still alive. And like they are freaking out about this deer. Like as much as they do in I Know What You Did last summer oh, when they hit it's the person. Hilarious. <laughs> and finally, Martin is like, just fuck this and kill the deer already. And he just like beats it with a piece of wood um, in the head until it dies. Uh, 
basically they're all like, yeah, no, we need to do something about it. We can't save it. We can't report ourselves. We got to end its suffering, but nobody has the balls to do it. And so Martin's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And everyone kind of looks at him funny. He apologizes to his girlfriend, Nina, and says, I just, you know, I needed to do it. It's fine. And then she kisses him, basically saying, it's okay, I understand. So we have, these are our kids. We have the blonde, that's Nina. She's going to be our main character. Her boyfriend, Martin, just killed a deer. And is about to die. And is about to die. Uh, the deer was first hit by, I guess you could call him, like, he's the attractive one. You know what I mean? Like, he's the conventionally attractive guy here. Um, yes, I'm sure Kelsey likes Martin more, right? I assume. I thought the one that was with, I thought the one that's about to die was yes, the most that's attractive Martin. Right, because you, I'm, what always makes me feel great, <laughs> you like goofy looking guys. But what I'm saying is like, there's the, there's the sweetly attractive guys that you like. And then there's like the conventionally handsome football player types that like, you know, you look at and you go, oh, he's, he's a man. You know what I mean? Like that kind of attractive. I could you could say the same thing about men, uh, you know a straight man's attraction to women too you know like yeah I recognize that she's the conventionally attractive woman but I'm more attracted to you know whatever anyway his his name is Clemens he was the drunk driver that hit the deer his girlfriend's name is Alex she's the brunette we also have the dark brown black hair raven haired uh, bad girl Mona the bitch to her the dad total bitch. Uh, we have the weird guy, Patrick, who wants to be a part of this group, but Who's they obsessed. think he's weird. He's obsessed with... Nina. Which, is he obsessed with Nina? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Who's yeah. going to die trying to save... No, gonna die, die saving save, her. He's going to die actually saving too. her. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Nina lives. Oh, I thought they all died. No. Oh. Nina and her sister and Mona all live. Mona lives? Mona lives. Remember they hold hands at the end in the in the hospital? Not really. But every the main our main main characters are going to be Mona, the bitch, uh Nina the blonde, Let's say and why Clemens. She's a bitch. So like she has a dad in a wheelchair and he obviously expects way too much from his teenage daughter, but he is in a right. wheelchair and he does ask for her to do a lot of things and she just fully ignores him. Like it's not like she does some stuff and doesn't feel appreciated. She does nothing. Yes. And she puts in her headphones and ignores him completely. And she does things that he can do nothing about specifically because he's in a wheelchair. And like, I understand you're a troubled teenager. I assume your mom's dead or she's left or something like that. But like you have a disabled dad and he asked him, he asked her literally to do one thing. She has a scooter, which he wants her to use to make deliveries for the store that he owns. Right. This thing needs to be delivered today. It has to be. I can't drive. Can you please take this? She doesn't even look at him. She doesn't explain anything. She just puts in her headphones and leaves. The next day he asks her again. They're already late. Can you please? She just fucking leaves. And oh, oh, by the way, while she's leaving, she turns the open sign to close. So now he can't get any more business for the day. Like, she's just, like, they want you to dislike her, I guess? I guess. I don't know. Or to understand that she's a rebel. I don't but know. But they never explain, actually, what her problem even is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, I wrote down, certainly this doesn't all happen because of the deer, right? 
<laughs> like it, it doesn't, but they're 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 framing that deer scene like right. It's I know what you did last summer. <laughs> right. I know when you killed that deer. Now you're, you're not, all gonna die in three days because <laughs> you're not gonna find out about the kid until the very <laughs> until the very end. Uh, anyway, one of the couples is having sex. Then we see the guy who's gonna die dancing in his underwear. And oh, yeah. his says, mom Thank you, just mom. walks right yeah. by, <laughs> ignoring him. He's very endearing. You like Martin. Except that he then hurts the planet by throwing his shit out the window. Oh, yeah. He's obviously a slacker type, and he hated school. Ew, there's like a disgusting bathroom scene where he ends up getting taken by the killer. Yeah. But I was like, it's unnecessary to see this disgusting bathroom. Totally. We see him peeing like it's... Eh, unnecessary, but whatever. Like, that's why it felt like it was going to be one of those grimy torture porn movies. And oh, I, yeah. I turned to you and I was like, Kelsey, what did you get us into? Because, so, if you don't know, it's been a long time since we've talked about it. We don't like torture porn movies. <laughs> We're not big fans. There are movies that skirt the line that we do really enjoy, right? Yes. Like The Loved Ones, right? Like, it, it skirts the line of torture porn. There's some aggressively graphic things that happen, but it's not over the top and it's it serves the the purpose of the wider narrative, right? Versus something like Hostile, which we're just not into. You know, it's not our thing. And we're not big Saw fans either. Yeah. So, like, when they're at this club, he goes to the bathroom and we get the grimy bathroom scene where he, he's pissing and then he gets taken and then he's all tied up and we see it from his perspective and he's panicking and there's a guy walking around and it's all dingy and grimy and there's sharp things everywhere. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> is this what this movie's going to be? And no, it's not. It's it's just not going to be that. Yeah. So it felt entirely unnecessary. Yes. Uh, so they kind of intermingle. This kid being drowned with them going to see the cops and saying, you know, my friend, my boyfriend is missing. And uh -huh. the cops brushing them off like they always do in these movies. He, The cop, Kogler, is going to make a reference to his clean cousin. I don't know if that's supposed to be Martin and he's literally his cousin. Or if he's just referring to him as cousin, as you know, people do, but they're not actually related. Or if he's just talking about his clean cousin, this random third party that he knows that disappears sometimes and then he comes back. So maybe that's what Martin's doing, right? He says that whole, it hasn't been 24 hours, so he's not missing. That's, by the way, a huge misconception. I don't know about Germany, but particularly in America... If you expect somebody to be there and they're not and you think they might be in danger, go to the fucking cops. Do not wait 24 hours. That's half of the time that you need to find somebody. That's why the first 48 is a phrase, right? Like, that's when you're most likely to find somebody. After the first 48 hours, you're probably not. Like, your odds drop drastically. So don't wait 24 hours and don't listen to a cop that tells you you have to. File that fucking report. Kogler is going to feel bad when Martin shows up dead. They're going to go to the lake to unwind because Martin is missing. And they're like, well, let's just go. Let's relax. Get you some, you know, he's, we have to wait anyway. We might as well go to the, to the lake. And they go and they're sitting on the pier, at which point Nina sees her boyfriend <laughs> in the water tied to a weight. Mm -hmm. And they all jump in. Which is interesting because when they showed it before, it seemed like the is in the middle of the like middle the of ocean the or something. Uh, but this is right by the dock. Yeah, 
When they do finally find him, uh, the cops show up and they the cop feels like a total dickhead for the way he treated them. Oh, this is the first point. That was the same night. Martin was killed the same night he got a text message saying, you're dead in three days. Martin specifically got a text message saying he'd be dead in three days. And then he died that night. Oh, yeah. Several of them have gotten it. Oh, yeah. Nina did, too. And Clemens did, too. And when they start talking about it, they're like, oh, you did, too? I just thought it was somebody fucking with us. I thought it was Patrick. He's a weirdo. And Nina saw Patrick staring at her at the club, so she thought it was Patrick. They're going to bring him in to question him, but then they let him go. Mm -hmm. So Nina is taken next. Yeah, and it's pretty... Yeah, these scenes where they get taken are really, really intense. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, Just to have them be drowned, you know yeah, what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, it seems super intense, and then you're only killed that way. But So she's dragged through the rain and the mud. Uh-huh, to a boathouse. Yes. She gets a glimpse of what looks to be an older man, which we know is the, the woman wearing her husband's face as a mask. Mm-hmm. It's like a hodgepodge of, you know, all the best horror movies, yeah, uh-huh. but not done well. So Patrick saves her because he follows her he's around. He's been following her, yeah. Uh-huh. He, he's obsessed with her. Yes. And that does end up saving her, but he gets killed in the process. And it looks like he gets killed with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems super random. Is it a machete? Is it just a sword? I don't know. But, you're, so the chick is just sitting there watching all this happen. It's like, why aren't you leaving? She does why run into the away? road. She runs into the road, and then she gets hit by Kogler and his partner. Yes. In the street. Just happens to. Okay, obviously, this is there's a murderer going around killing them. You guys should be somewhere safe. Why would anyone want to kill you? Yeah. So while Nina is in the hospital, uh, the brunette, Alex, and her boyfriend Clemens are staying at her place. So she runs like a hotel with her father and Clemens works with his dad and his business. So like all of them work on a family business, right? He delivers fish to the hotel, to their restaurant, I guess, uh, like catfish or whatever. Earlier in the movie, he warned the workers in the, in the kitchen that they need to fix the glass because it had a sharp edge. And he warns them, somebody's going to get hurt on that. That'll come up later. Well, yeah. A girl, that's my <laughs> next note. A girl, One of the girls is going to get her head cut off on that thing. Yeah. So he gets up to get a drink that night. And he goes downstairs. He cuts himself like he warned them somebody would get hurt on the broken glass of the fish tank. He goes back to the room and she is gone. She's behind him and she jumps out and scares him. It's a fake scare. He drops his glass and he breaks it. And she's like. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. You stay here. You're going to get caught by my dad or whatever. You won't know what what to do. She goes downstairs. She gets attacked and attempted to drown in the fish tank. But then the killer drags her neck across the edge of this fish tank. You would assume it would shatter first, but it doesn't. Instead, she gets decapitated. It goes through her neck through her spine and everything before this glass breaks, but whatever, it's a graphic idea. Uh, And her head is just in the fish tank and her body is on the floor. So when she doesn't come back, he goes down to look for her and finds her headless body. (laughs) It's it's pretty fucked. It's It's a very interesting kill, I would say. Yes. Nina is gonna have a nightmare 
where she gets her throat slit by a nurse. Yeah, and then we see the nurse. She's fine. She's just a nurse. This is where I wrote down, without a motive, it just feels random and meaningless. And not in a profound way where the where death is meaningless and the killer just kills randomly. No, it feels like there should be a reason, but we're not getting it. And then withholding that reason from us, it creates an, a, a sort of hole in my feelings about this movie leading up to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm already feeling it at this point. There, people are just dying randomly and it feels pointless. Mm-hmm. Like, why should I care? Well, it kind of felt that way. In Hide and Go Shriek, too, without knowing who the killer was. Yeah, uh-huh. For sure. Without knowing his but motivations. For some reason, like, that felt like a, you know, it's an 80s slasher. It's a popcorn flick. This doesn't feel like a popcorn flick. Like, we're getting long shots of people's faces, and Nina's obviously going through some troubling shit, and the stuff we see with Mona and her dad, and, you know, it's it's troubled children, and it's, like, it feels like it's trying to make a point. Hide and Go Shriek wasn't trying to make a point. It did, unfortunately. <sighs> but it wasn't, like, trying to. This felt like it was trying to, and it wasn't. Anyway, Nina gets killed in her dreams. She wakes up, and the nurse is totally nice. But they find Patrick. I don't, I just have, they found Patrick. I think they just mention it. I don't think they we actually see that, do we? Uh, well, they, they go to, they're po- called into the cops, because the cops are like, who is trying to kill you? Yeah. And they're like, well, we've been friends since third grade. Uh, nothing happened that we can think of that. Yeah, they say we no, but it's an obvious yes. Like, well, you for, know, there's for, a only yes. for Nina. The rest yeah. of them don't know what he's talking about. So Nina takes them to her house and she puts on a videotape of them in a school play when they were a kid. And she's like, do you remember this face? Fabian Haas. Uh, another kid, there was an accident of some sort, so Nina assumes it's the father, and so she tells the cops. She's like, we gotta tell the cops, um, despite the fact that this accident might incriminate us. Yeah, I love their response. They're just like, but that was an accident. Like, right. why would anybody be mad about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never seen Friday the 13th. Um, anyway, she tells the cops, and the cops come to her. The The commissioner is talking to Kogler, and he shows him something. That might be disturbing. And he's like, oh, shit, we need answers, right? So they go in and they talk to her. And they show her the picture. Is this the guy you saw? And she says, I think so. And they're like, okay, well, here's the problem. He killed himself. She's like, but he's the guy I saw, right? So we will find out later that that's because the mom's wearing the dad's face. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they just chalk it up to her being disoriented, right? You must not have gotten a clear image and it reminded you of this guilt that you have or whatever. They strongly suggest that these three survivors uh, stay together in Nina's house. So we have Nina, Mona, and Clemens are the three survivors now. And they're going to be – the rest of this movie is going to be the three of them. She has another dream that night. I just wrote down another dream. It obviously didn't stick with me. I didn't write anything about a dream. The next thing I have <laughs> is that her little sister gets taken. Yeah. So they decide they need to go to Miss Haas's house to see if anyone is there for themselves. It's unclear to me why there was any even a mystery about the Haas house that they needed to go check out. Like why why the cops wouldn't have gone. I don't But know. whatever. They didn't. Nina uh, gets caught by her sister Kirsten and convinces Kirsten that, listen, if we're not back by 8 o'clock, I think in the morning because it's like – 
sunrise at this point. Then call the cops. Clemens goes and he gets a gun and he gets ammo. The problem is, like Kelsey says, Kirsten gets grabbed because she follows them on her bike. She goes to the house without their knowledge and then she gets grabbed while they're searching through the house. Kogler does his research and he finds out that Erica Haas, our killer, worked at the hospital where her son stayed alive for three days before he finally died. And he uses that as information to actually convince the commissioner to at least check out the house. Because at first they were like, well, the dad's dead. So he obviously couldn't have done it. What's the use of going to the house? And so Kogler uses this to convince him to go and check it out at least. And so that's what they're going to do. Meanwhile, the kids are searching the house. Kelsey, what do they find? They find her husband's face. Yeah, there are two jars. There's a skull without a face and a face without a skull. Yes. In jars suspended in liquid. Very Texas chainsaw mask. Yes. That is the mask that she's been wearing this whole time. So that freaks them out. From there, they find Kirsten tied up in the dining room. And that's when Erica, our killer, walks in. And Clemens pulls his gun on Erica. Now... This movie, (laughs) this movie, folks, maybe this is why we have a little bit more increased animosity towards it. But Kelsey and I both have weapon rules, our little pet weapon rules, right? If you've listened to the show long enough, you've definitely heard them before. Yes. They are unique to each of us, but they are both about weapons. Uh Clemens is going to break my weapon rule, (laughs) which is for the love of God, if you pull a gun on somebody... A long-range weapon, a medium-range weapon at the very least. Do not, do not, do not get within range of their arms. What the fuck are you doing? Come on, people. (laughs) Just really basic. Like, you should be able to intuit this. Just like you have a gun. If they move, you're going to need to move further to correct. (sighs) that's problem number one. Problem number two, if they take a swipe at you, you're basically fucked and you have to respond. Otherwise, they're going to hit your gun. Like, so don't fucking do that. And Clemens does it. It's just like immediately I'm like, oh, you're a fucking moron. Do you should never hold a gun on anybody. Well, but also just you got you have the gun. She makes a move. Why aren't you shooting her? You know she's murdered your friends. Well, you have less time to respond when when somebody's at close range, too. That's another reason. Like, all these times you see them, like, they put a gun to the back of somebody's head and they go, move, or whatever. You're too close! (laughs) You are too close. That's for knives, which we will get to in a moment. (sighs) But so he does not shoot her. Yep, sure enough, she takes fucking one step And stabs him. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Stabs him. She is able to stab him before he is able to respond with his gun. That's right. Come the fuck on. Yeah, I I was just like, you're worthless. Uh Uh-huh. Worthless. She takes him out of commission and she slams Nina's head into the wall, knocking her out. She takes the knife out of Clemens to then chase after Mona. But she doesn't follow up by stabbing Nina or Kirsten. So, like, they're going to survive. Mona breaks out of a window, (laughs) leaping out of the window, 
And Erica just kind of lets her. She just kind of watches her slowly approaching her and just watches her go out the window. I don't remember that. She breaks the window, if I remember correctly, and then jumps out and like totally fucks herself up. Because I guess Erica just knows that if she jumps out this window, she will. She will absolutely, no question, impale herself on my sharp pointy fence. Which she proceeds to do. (laughs) And Erica just like looks at her. Yeah, great. Problem solved, I guess. I guess you didn't... I wanted you to drown, but oh well. Right, yeah, I get that'll do. Also, I guess that Erica did not watch the beginning of this movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kirsten is struggling on the floor. And Erica's just going to leave her behind if she takes away Nina. Because Kirsten is not one of her targets. So she's going to leave Kirsten, Kirsten behind. And she takes Nina out to the lake. Yes. She's going to throw her into the lake. So as far as Erica's concerned, she's just stabbed Clemens to death. Mona has impaled herself. Nina is the last one she needs to take care of. She's going to tie her to a weight, and she's going to tie her fucking self to a weight as well. And I think it's, in this case, it's just a chest full of, I guess, memorabilia of her son and her husband. I assume they don't say. Who knows? As she's preparing all of this... I guess Mona didn't die. (laughs) And we don't see it, but I guess she pulls herself off of the fence. I guess. And she stumbles to the street where Kogler and the commissioner find her. And she's like, save Nina. Like we saw at the beginning of the movie, right? Yes. No, wait. Isn't that when the the cops show up and she's still laying there and she says that when they when they find her? That's what I'm saying. But I didn't know that she stumbled away. I thought she was still there. No, no, she is in the middle of the street. Oh. Yeah. She gets out. Well, Nina is able to stab the woman before she is able to throw her into the water, which yeah, is pretty awesome. Erica Erica drops the knife as she's preparing the ropes, and she uses that to free herself yes. and then stab Erica. She doesn't free herself. She just stabs Erica. I think she unties her hands. I don't think she does. Okay, that's uh, I believe it. And she... Stabs her, and she's just like, oh, thank God. Thank what God she that's do? over. What does she do, I'm Kelsey? sit down. What does she do? She drops the knife. That is Kelsey's weapon rule number one. Never drop your weapon. It is so insane to me. Why would you drop your weapon? And, and like, in this case, you might be thinking, well, she doesn't need the weapon. The woman's dead. She's in the water. Right? But this girl is still tied up. And I'm just like, before I even realized... That she was already attached. Yeah. First things first, before you relax. Get yourself unattached. And (laughs) then it dawned on me that she is attached to the same thing that the woman was attached to. Uh So she is about to fall in She's about to get pulled under, too. And she does get pulled under, and she's saved by Kogler. Worthless. Yeah. Worthless characters. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, ultimately, it was the same thing that was going to happen to her anyway. So she had zero impact on the outcome. Yep. Okay, fine. But Kogler ended up saving her. So this movie, again, I have the gun distance rule. Kelsey has the weapon dropping rule. These are our own little pet peeve rules in regards to weapons. And this movie breaks both of those rules. Seriously, people, if you have a weapon 
and you're still running away, especially if you're still running away from the killer. You'd be surprised how often people are just like, this is weighing me down. I must drop it to run away. So you don't stupid. take it with you. It's so stupid. <laughs> Stop putting your weapons down. I hate it. Anyway, we do get a flashback as Nina's drowning to the accident. So we actually see what happens a little bit. And they do make Fabian go get the puck uh, that's out on the thin ice. And they tease him for it. And they call him a sissy. Uh, but Nina is ultimately revived and she wakes up in the hospital next to Mona. They reach out to each other and they hold hands. And then that's the end of the movie. We get yeah. the credits. Uh, which are over the top of Erica, just still in the water, <laughs> just floating there, tied to the chest of memories. <laughs> the chest of it's a memories. metaphor, you see. <laughs> the past is weighing her down. Yes. It's drowning her. That is the metaphor. It's true. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. What do you think Dead in Three Days has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'll stop you right there. Uh, there are only two reviews. Okay. Uh, so there is no consensus value or statement. Okay. Uh, I will say that both of them are positive. Oh. One of which said it was the best Euro horror since High Tension, which Ooh. should tell you something. I will yeah. say we haven't covered High Tension on this show. Because I hate it. I didn't. I will say I mostly liked High Tension, except for the twist. The twist is the stupidest thing. Like ever. <laughs> And it really put a sour taste for the rest of the movie in my mouth. It, I thought the movie was well executed otherwise, though. The other review thought it was okay for a time waster. Eh, if you need an hour and a half to kill, you, you won't hurt yourself watching this movie, basically, is what they said. It does have over 500 audience reviews, though. So what do you think this has for an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to say 57. 34. 34. No audience consensus statement either. Is 34 overrated or underrated? I'll say it's underrated. Sure. Because that's a little harsh. Yeah, this movie's well made. It's just yes. boring and filled with cliches. And it doesn't bother to tell you the inciting incident until the end of the film. And not in an intriguing way. No. Uh, I Like, seriously, imagine you're watching, I know what you did last summer, and you don't know that they hit somebody with their car until the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 45. Yeah, I think I have to go a little bit under 50. There's something compelling me not to give it a full 50. Mm -hmm. It's inoffensive for the most part. And like you say, and like I said earlier, it is, like, competently made. They know how to make a movie. It It is just so terribly uninteresting for the most part, though. Mm -hmm. And it has characters that you're supposed to like that you actually kind of don't. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I'll go all the way down to 45, but I think it's almost like I need to prove a point that it's not quite 50. I'll do 48. Okay. So that is our... Graduation week here on Pod Cemetery with 1988's Hide and Go Shriek and 2006's Dead in Three Days. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week is Memorial Day. It is. The episode, fingers crossed, will be going out the night of Memorial Day. <laughs> 
So we figured, let's watch some movies about some soldiers. So we're going to watch Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. And Overlord. Which is another movie that I've been wanting to watch for a while now. So, cool. Awesome. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, if you know the twist, don't tell anyone. (laughs) That's my advice to you. (laughs) Uh, That's a case where the twist doesn't fucking ruin the movie. Anyway, that is next week for Memorial Day. Until then, you can find us at our website, podcemetery.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at PodCemetery. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? The fun is over. Fun and games, games and fun, now it's over, no need to run. Now it's time to clean house. Housewife's work is never done. He wants you too, Malachi. Malachi. There are movies that skirt the line that we do really enjoy, right? Yes. Like uh, the young ones. The loved ones. Sorry. Young ones is a TV show that I like uh, on on the BBC. The fuck you doing, kitty? What the juniper doing? Laying down on on my backpack. Backpack instead of her bed. That is weird. Sometimes I think cats don't use things just because they know you bought them for them. Uh huh. That attitude requires (laughs) vim, vigor, and vitality. (laughs) She got her eyes closed. She's a sweepy kitty. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate it and and was that sexy? I saw it in a porno. <laughs>